2: This is the Yanks
1: Go Yard Podcast with Adam Weinrib and Thomas Carinante. Welcome to a Thursday live edition of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weiner, alongside Thomas Carinante, and the New York Yankees take to the field tonight to try to capture game two against the... No, they don't. As everybody knew uh, from Tuesday, from before the series started... From weeks ago. Uh the weather forecast for today looked bleak. It was bleak. There was a window to play the game from like 7 to 8:30. Does that sound like enough time to play a major league baseball playoff game? Not to me, maybe to you. We're built different. The Yankees will not be playing in this game. They will, in fact, be playing on Friday, but they will be taking an all-important one game to none advantage into that Friday game. They will be riding Nestor Cortez in that Friday game. They will be starting Luis Severino in game three on the road. And they will start Jamison Tyone and Garrett Cole in some combination in four and five if necessary. Hopefully not necessary. Fact. There's no off day left in this series. Two will go into three, we'll go into four, we'll go into five if necessary. Also, fact that screws everybody. The Guardians also have that. They're not going to start Bieber McKenzie, Bieber McKenzie in games two, three, four, five. They also have pitching problems. They also have rest issues. They played an entire series before the Yankees even started here. So everybody's a little more on edge because of the rainout. out. And we'll talk about the implications of what it all means and what to expect from Nestor and what to expect from the rest of the rotation. And nobody is, uh, you know, pumped that we don't have baseball today, but it makes game two at home during the day massive. And it retroactively makes game one, the game the Yankees already won, huge so put that feather in your cap I'm sure you were excited to win game one be even more excited now it's weird to have two days without baseball the Mariners and Astros play today it's probably gonna suck again like it did last time but the New York Yankees have a one game to none advantage we're gonna be talking about the game one that got them here what it means that game two has been knocked back how the roster shakes out what the bullpen does what to expect from the rotation and how we all blame Rob Banford for the fact that this was extremely avoidable Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, drop us a five-star review, along with a mailbag question. We will be more than happy to answer it. Thomas Carinante, welcome on into the podcast. Let's not get distracted by the annoyance of losing a game two today, which, again, we all saw coming. Uh, With the one-day gap between one and two, now turned two days. There was already a weird gap. There were already the same concerns. Uh, The Yankees sent Garrett Cole to the mound in game one. Uh, A bunch of fans were nervous about that. A bunch of people told on themselves, my tweets from the third inning are not good. They aged like milk. And Garrett Cole dominated, shoved, whatever you want to put it. The bullpen did the job. There were two scary moments for like two seconds. I was at the game. It was pretty much an ideal playoff experience. Close enough to be interesting. Never really in doubt. And pretty exciting. Uh, And the Yankees are up 1-0 in a division series that I think we both agree is closer than many pundits maybe projected. But uh one game lead it's nice yeah uh
3: that game won pretty much all we needed uh for uh getting the jitters out garrett cole needed that start for garrett cole i think more than anything else um with all the uh with all the issues that he's dealt with this year with big games um we can continue to cite the wild card game but we know he wasn't healthy for that um and uh you know date back to 2020 statistics as a yankee pitcher are good in the postseason but no fans in the stands. No pressure of um, that kind of weighing on you in front of the home crowd, in front of a in front of a raucous road crowd. So now we're back. Yankees are back in Yankee Stadium. Um, and much needed game one win. I was never really nervous about this. Um, again, not a knock on the Guardians. Um, just league average offense facing their number three. You kind of just have to get the job done. Um, And I know the Yankees typically have not gotten the job done in recent years, um, regardless of the scenario. Um, But this team feels a little bit different from um, a banding together slash understanding the assignment standpoint. um, I think better than any team since 2018. So uh, really happy with the game one win. It sets the tone for the postseason um, very nicely for them uh, because they need to continue to, Um, escape moments of pressure going down in an 0-1 hole. Yes, we also talked about Yankees lose game one, doesn't really matter. They historically kind of come back from those and manage to dig themselves out. This version of the Yankees, I don't know. I think they probably need to avoid that. I don't think this is is a team that can really screw around with their fate. Um, When the games are tailor-made for you to win, please win them. There will be unexpected losses here and there. Uh, We all know how sports and life works. Um, But you simply got to win game one at home. First home playoff game since 2019. Garrett Cole on the mound. League average offense facing the other team's number three starter. They did it. The offense wasn't anything overly impressive, but timely hits. Shout out to Harrison Bader. um, Getting the game tied back up after Stephen Kwan hit that home run off Garrett Cole, which was frustrating in that moment. Um, Props to Isaiah Kranifalefa. Dug himself out of a hole. Had a top of the uh, uh, error in the top of the first inning. And then the Yankees were threatening in the bottom of the first or um I'm sorry the bottom of the second he grounded into a double play when they had runners on the corners um and uh um props to Anthony Rizzo second deck two run bomb that broke this thing open took pressure off the bullpen Jonathan Lauziga Wandy Peralta Clay Holmes able to um pretty much yeah, as best they could pitch as stress free as you possibly could in a playoff game with the stakes um uh being what they were at that time so I'm happy, I'm feeling good. Um, I know this postponement fucks things up guys. it it admittedly does it it actually screws with the guy. if I was a guardians fan, I'd be pissed now Shane Bieber cannot pitch on sh- uh, short rest. Um, so they already got the short end of the stick, you know being in the wild card series as a division winner to talk about that all you want. Uh, I don't know you know that I, I think this whole thing's imperfect anyway. Um, but so on top of having to throw your ace in the wild card game series, um, because it's do or die, you got to move on. Now the hope was to pitch Bieber in Game Two. In the event you go to a do or die Game Five, you can use your race again. Nope, can't do it. He's going to be on two days rest. Maybe it'll be a throw day and he can get an inning in. I don't know how his pitching schedule works, but um, it's uh, it's pretty bad for uh, for everybody here because you look at the Yankee situation with their bullpen um, guys that just came back from injury. Like that was Wandy's first outing since september 26th or something yeah. um that was clay holmes's first outing since september 25th or 26th so they got guys who need to get back on track and they might not be ready to pitch three four days in a row um and i know these two off days help here but now you got to play two three four five consecutively and then you got the alcs should you reach should you reach it two day uh you get one rest day in between you got you're gonna have to travel if you're the guardians or the yankees to houston or seattle so, you know, you're one day off to travel day and then you're right back into action. So uh, this schedule, stupid, just straight up stupid. I don't know how they wanted to say I, I, my opinion. My thought was they should have had a flex schedule in the beginning. Should the wildcard series had been sweeps, you just start the ALDS or the NLDS earlier. In this instance, you could have started the ALDS earlier. Um, it's playoff baseball fans are buying tickets regardless. I don't think that swapping the day on somebody is going to be a big deal. Look, you already have to swap the day. You took out a marquee uh, PM game tonight, and now it's a bullshit 1 PM start tomorrow. So don't tell me that flexibility didn't exist. Um, You know, now we're in a tough situation where this is the reality for both teams, and it's not going to set the tone pretty if either one advances because now you're not, you you don't have enough rest, um, and the arms are going to be a concern.
1: I've never seen a schedule like this ALCS schedule. And obviously, it's not something you need to be concerned about until you're in the series. And then it's like, wait, what the fuck? Oh my God, what are they doing? Uh, this series uh, could end if it goes all the way to game five. It'll end uh, Monday, the 17th, is game five. Then off day, travel to either Houston or Seattle. Game or no, Seattle would come to New York. Uh, the Guardians might have to travel. Uh, Seattle would come to New York. The Eagles would have to travel to Houston. Yeah. Uh, and that is for Wednesday, for game one, Thursday, for game two, off day. Thank you so much for the off day. Uh, Saturday, game three in the Bronx. Thank you, sir. May I have another off day? No, you may not. Saturday, Sunday, Monday at home, back on the road for Tuesday and Wednesday. Five straight games, travel, no off day. And that's the schedule. That's not the rain schedule. That's not the contingency yeah. plan. That's what they intended to do. So expect fresh complaints about that next week if the Yankees are able to move on. I hope they do. It would be great if they did. Bizarre series where if the Yankees lost game one of this series, uh, you know, we were preaching like, hey, it's nice to be part of an ALDS. Best of five. Little wiggle room. Not a wild card game. Not a wild card series. If the Yankees lose game one of this series, they might get swept. It's not even as difficult to envision them getting swept. Uh, you think they're way better than, like, people think they're way better than the Guardians. The Guardians are 26 and 6 in their last 32. It's a little bit like the 2009 Twins, who are also coming in that Yankees ALDS just absolutely red hot on fire. They, uh, like, uh, they erased some sort of, like, 2007 Mets choke like Tigers lead and beat them in game 163. Came in with all the momentum in the world, took an early lead on the Yankees in game one at home. Then the Yankees sort of blew the doors off. Game two was a tight one that A-Rod tied in the ninth, and they edged past him in 12 or 13 on a Teixeira homer. And then uh, game three was also, you know, it was a one nothing Carl Pavano lead until the bats went off late in the game. Uh, But still, goes in the books as a sweep. So this is kind of – I expected a similar thing. I expected, like, hey, you know, could the Yankees plow past this red-hot team in a three-game series? Sure. But if they do that, it's going to be a lot closer than the history books write it as. That series, if Arod doesn't tie up the game in the ninth, Yankees go to Minnesota tied 1-1. Uh, yeah. If they don't break through in the late innings against Pavano, they lose game three. They have to play game four. Uh, Bieber and McKenzie are coming up, and if the Yankees happen to lose that game one, if Cole does implode, they could beat Bieber and McKenzie. They beat Bieber in the 2020 playoffs, but they didn't face him this year, and they only faced McKenzie once, and he ran through them. Uh, in the only game the Yankees lost in the rivalry. So if the Yankees lose that game one, I am immediately in, like, pick up the pieces mode. Like, eh, this series could be over in the first road game. We just don't know. Uh, Instead, they took care of business in game one. Again, delete your tweets from the third inning when Garrett Cole looked like he might unravel. Uh, I don't blame anybody for preemptively tweeting because it's not like we haven't seen it. Like, it's not like... Hook a Yankee fan up to a lie detector. Is anybody going to be like, with the bases loaded and one out following a defensive miscue and Josh Naylor reaching first on a dribbler and Oscar Gonzalez who walked off the wild card series and Andres Jimenez coming up, no Yankee fan is like, I have full faith in Garrett Cole. He's going to get out of this. Oh, yeah. He's going to overcome a home run to the short porch and bases loaded one out after his defense let him down. Like, maybe... But I certainly was not sitting in the stands thinking, like, he's got this. I was sitting in the stands thinking we could be three minutes away from another, like, season-defining Garrett Cole postseason disaster. And it won't be all his fault, but it also will be because he had two chances to overcome defensive lapses and didn't. He had a chance with the bases empty after the solo home run to say, all right, that's all you're getting off me. Like, this is over. And he, he didn't do that. He hit, uh you know, Ahmed Rosario, and he gave up a double in the gap to Jose Ramirez. So the wheels were coming off. The Cole, uh you know, it's not fair to say the Cole postseason bugaboos were raising their ugly head because he actually has a 2 ERA in the playoffs and a 9-5 and record. But this was his seventh straight playoff start with a home run. That's an all-time. That ties the mark. Uh, this is something we've seen far too often this season. And then doubles and triples and quadruples down on the Cole panic meter when the one-two pitched to Andres Jimenez, which is right down the middle, and it's a curveball that you can't tell from the seats where it is exactly. You can't really tell where the ump's going. This home plate umpire also had a fun little uh, umpire thing where for a strike, he's obviously doing a classic strike call. And for a ball, he's raising his hand and not doing a point. Just to say, like, hey, it's a ball. Which, like, from the upper deck, uh, let me tell you right now, not helpful. I know this is a television product, and more people are watching on TV than are at the game. But when you see a close pitch and the umpire raises his hand just to go like hi, like that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, I don't need to be making these distinctions from the upper deck. Um, so he on the one two pitch, it, it's a call you've never. It's it's directly down the middle, folks. And and Garrett yeah. Cole is two weeks past. The Alex Verdugo game, where he misses a pitch that is a squeeze, but is probably on the corner by the top of a baseball. And he doesn't get that call. And the next pitch is right down the middle, and Verdugo punishes him. Jimenez, give him credit. This pitch is even better than the one that threw him off in that game. Doesn't get the call on something that yeah. more than clips the bottom of the zone, and then gets Jimenez to chase an awesome curveball. First couple innings, Cole stuff. Seemed like he was overthrowing. A lot of knuckle curves. You can't work through a a lineup. Even the Guardians lineup with just knuckle curves over and over and over again. But as soon as that moment, you know, ends and he gets Jimenez, he really locks in. And as nervous as fans were about him losing everything in that half inning, I think fans were equally confident as soon as he got that strikeout. Like, we're not seeing anything bad from Garrett Cole for the rest of this game. Hopefully, you can get enough, you know, the pitch count's low enough, you can get him through six. Then once he was through 6 they you're like, can we get him through seven? Gives up that hit to Miles Straw. They pull him. I probably would have kept him in after that. Uh, but no harm, no foul. Loisaga gives up a hit to Stephen Kwan. Of course he does. Then gets the double play ball. Yes. Uh, and from then on, it's, it's really, truly smooth sailing. Even though when Clay Holmes hit his first batter on the first pitch, I think everybody in the stands at home was like, It's about to get real bad, uh, but yeah. it did not just get the outs. He got one. He got two. Miles straws, the final out of the first game of the DS can't script it any better than that.
3: Yeah. And you know, the, the, and you, you're right. You, you would be lying if Yankee fan, if Yankee fans were to say they weren't concerned of the early going. Steven Kwan has six homers on the year. That's the guy you're giving up a home run to. And it happens. Mike, home Petriello,
1: home. Mike Petriello tweeted before the game, like Quan you know, takes advantage of these dimensions and wouldn't it be funny if he actually hit a short porch homer. And so I think I read it two hours before the game. I wish I hadn't read it at all. And I'm like, well, that's going to happen. And then it did. And I'm like, well, okay, great. Uh, where do we move on from here? And yeah, yeah. And then
3: you get the IKF defensive lapses and Garrett Cole starts. I don't know why it's like clockwork. Um, my other issue with, uh, this, the beginning of this start for Garrett Cole was, um, far too deliberate. And his processes are his processes, and I'm not going to knock that. I'm not the major league pitcher, but when you're going that slow and that um, calculated in a playoff game, it rarely ever helps the pitcher. It rarely, it, it's oh, that's always an advantage for the opposition, for the opposing offense. Um, pitchers need to be in a rhythm. They need to be buzz sawing. Um, that's how you get through postseason games. That's how you make the pitch count a little bit more efficient. Um, just based on postseason baseball watching it for two decades. Um, you kind of know how it goes. Um and you would and hey, maybe it was a, a little bit different of a reset. I'm gonna be Garrett Cole stand here. Different reset for the guy. First home playoff ge- or first playoff game um uh at in front of a home crowd um in three years. Um first home playoff game in front of Yankees fans um since he signed with the team. Yep. Uh so um and he had to get the stink off of him from last year's wildcard game. Whether he was injured or not, that stink's going to exist. That's going to persist, and it's not going to be pretty. Um, fucking Red Sox fans, will get this off my chest one time. Yeah, um, and I'll join I will not let them bother me. The I place. tried to not let them bother me. And then Anthony Rizzo hits that fucking home run, and I see a bunch of tweets from these assholes saying, the Yankee Stadium short porch is a joke. This is a pop-up. It was 378 feet. It was a 378-foot home run. It was in the second deck. It was not a short porch job. And even Stephen Kwans was a short porch job. I don't care. It was a home run. It went over the fence. It's it it just is what it is. Stop.
1: Stop it. Your right field wall is 283 feet away. It's named after a five foot four guy who hit one career home run because it's the only place in the history of his career where he could potentially hit a homer. So I truly don't want this, to hear it.
3: I had to get I had to get that because I saw and I was like, I'm not engaging, but God, God damn it. The people. Red Sox won stopped. the
1: 2000. The Red Sox won the 2004 ALCS because of their ballpark dimensions. Tony Clark hit a ball that would have scored an extra run for the Yankees that bounced over their fence because their fence is one and a half feet tall. Why? Yeah. I'm not sure, but it is. Um, so, congrats. I guess we'll have to take that one away from you too. And I guess we all have to play in a neutral <laughs> color dome in the middle of Idaho so that there's no home field advantage, and then maybe you know we'll be able to take all these titles seriously. It's like the people who are like Yankee fans better not start talking about the real home run record because then we got to take all their steroid championships away. And it's like, yeah, and then we have to take all of your steroid non-championships away. And I guess those seasons never happened. And I guess we delete baseball from 1997 to 2006 and maybe also now because there could still be more steroids. Do you guys really want to have this conversation or do you just want to be dumb on Twitter? And I think I know the answer to that.
3: Yeah. We all know the answer to that. Insufferable people, um, just stop watching baseball because you don't watch baseball when the socks are bad anyway. Just stop watching now. It doesn't matter. Don't need you here. Um, Don't need you here. Great start for Garrett Cole. Regardless, uh, pitch count a little bit elevated, 101 through six and a third. Um, But, hey, that's the job. Like we talked about uh, on Tuesday, he needed to go at least six, no more than two earned. He went six and a third, one earned turned it over to the best relievers, um, and they got the job done. Uh, facing a league average offense, this is where obviously, you know, they they, they got a little bit lucky. Josh Naylor's slumping right now mm-hmm. really badly. Um, are, him and Kyle Schwarber got to be the two slumpiest guys right now in the postseason. It's been brutal Schwarber. for both of them. Yeah, It's terrible for both of them, but hey, part of baseball, man. Um, I think uh, a couple of other silver linings here. Josh Donaldson, two for two with a walk aside from his stupid home run trot. Um, I know there are arguments that actually help him out as uh, a reason why he should have had the home run. A, the Bud Light case was on top of the friggin' yeah. short porch there, and it caused it to bounce right in. Um, two, they started playing the home run music and flashing the lights, and the first base coach high-fived him as he was jogging. But once again, for the seventh time this season, Josh Donaldson is admiring a, 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 a minute fly ball assuming it's a home run and walking out of the batters box. Drop the bat dude and run and keep your eye on it the entire time. Don't wait for somebody else to tell you it's a home run unless it's the umpire doing this. The only time you know it's a home run is when the umpire is doing this. Or unless you hit it so far, you can you know ride your bat like a pony and punt it into the stands. It's never it hasn't been that way for him in a while. A lot of his home runs this year have not been no
1: doubters. I've never um, seen that in my life. Yeah. Somebody riding the bat, but it, it for Donaldson specifically, he has not done it in a long time. Yes,
3: <laughs> a lot of his a lot of his home runs this year or near home runs this year have not been close. So he's just got to dig it out of the box. Um, but Silver lining two for two with a walk there. John um, Carlos Stanton had a couple of good at bats, even though he went zero for two with a walk. Um, I'll take him seeing more pitches at the very least. That's 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 uh, an advantage for him because he's either a get a hit in the first three pitches or strike out on three pitches kind of guy. Um, Harrison Bader, really cool, really cool dude. Like him. Post game stuff was great. Um, a lot of range in the outfield. I think made a couple of key plays there that um, your average center fielder would not have. Um, and uh, um, Oswaldo Cabrera in left field made that great play against the ball, lost his little lineup card, uh, dro- dropped his hat, but, um, and you see him taking the at-bat seriously. He had a bad offensive game bad offensive game zero for three, with two K's, but he was pissed every time he struck out. Um, and I like seeing that kind of reaction. So, um, teams dialed in, uh, I I'm liking what I'm seeing. Um, I, 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 I like Nestor Cortez going in game two. I think that this ultimately played out the way it should have, um, maybe starting Garrett Cole game one. And now you look at it, (laughs) if they went Garrett Cole game two, they don't have Garrett Cole on short rest for game five. So, uh, The mother nature uh, shoved it right back down my throat. So uh, nice work to Aaron Boone. Nice work to the Yankees because I think they made the right call there.
1: Yeah. Uh, You you look at game one. Winning a playoff game is just such a tremendous weight off everybody's shoulders. But you look at game one and Oswaldo Cabrera, his worst game in weeks. Aaron Judge, his worst game in weeks. Works that key walk, steals second, goes to third on the error and scores on the homer. But three non-competitive strikeouts. Jose Trevino, other than the sack fly, one of the worst games you'll see from him, non-competitive yep. strikeouts, bad defensive plays, Jerry in that third inning, makes the weird late throw to third. Donaldson, that's a moment that could easily, for everybody talking about the power of the rain out, like, ooh, I don't like this, you know, I have bad memories of 2006 and 2011, and we all do, nobody's excited there's a rain out. But the Donaldson thing is is more proof from two days ago that your bad feelings are not necessarily accurate. Uh, who thought that the Yankees were about to score in the same inning to take the lead after that Donaldson play? Uh, no one on earth, every Yankee fan, was like, well, that is either very bad or pretty bad. Um, and then the literal next batter, Isaiah kainer of left lines one in the corner that goes through Oscar Gonzalez's legs. He's a third sack fly. Yanks have the lead next inning. Yankees pull away, right? So everything's a bad sign until the team is like we're not going to let that be a bad sign we're going to win the game uh i'm i'm not like jumping through the roof to have a ring out and a rescheduled game and a strange friday afternoon and i hope everybody can make it to the ballpark but it's uh certainly not a distinct advantage cleveland guardians uh that's safe to say yep Uh, Again, they're getting some additional rest. They came out of the wildcard series. They were good enough to sweep it instead of having to go all three and empty out the bullpen. Good job, Guardians. Nothing the Yankees could have done there. Uh, But game one, uh, you know, the Yankees see all their bullpen weapons, but Class A doesn't come in in a non-save situation. I think they probably hoped they could use him. Obviously, in game two, he's coming in no matter what the score is. Game three with the rest day in between, obviously – and you hope to go three, four, five if needed. Like three days in a row, he can do that. He's done it before. Um, even if he hasn't done it before, this is the playoffs now, and you got to do it now. He's a Haas. But four days in a row is a tough ask. I don't think you're going to see that from Class A. Uh, the Guardians are hoping to obviously finish this in four. It's not their goal to send it to game five, in which case he would still be available in two, three, four. But four games in a row, Class A, no longer a concern. Uh, the Yankees now have a Rob Manfred installed rain day. That's going to bump uh, an additional starter into both teams' rotations, uh, but now is the time to to complain about the uh, the postponement because uh, typically, historically, this has not been the case. Uh, somebody must have had an exclusivity contract. Fox, looking at you, and they wanted yeah. uh, Wednesday for the uh, NLDS. They got a four thirty seven start and an eight thirty seven start in LA. But oh joke's on you guys because you didn't want an AL game in there messing with you. You didn't want the fun March Madness feel of one, three, five, eight or seven, eight or whatever that we had the day before. That was actually pretty awesome, even though it led to the unintended consequence of Jordan Alvarez homering while they were doing the national anthem at Yankee Stadium and me being like, fuck my life. It's already over. Um so that was an unintended consequence, but it was kind of fun to have them bleed into each other like hey. that. Fox obviously asked for exclusivity or Rod Manfred comes up with this plan on his lonesome. And lo and behold, the Phillies game gets rain delayed right into the Dodgers game. Anyway, it's a seven 30 start. Uh, hope you liked that one hour of non-overlap Rob Manfred uh, because the Yankees had a beautiful Bronx day yesterday. Could have played, didn't play, uh, could have played early Thursday afternoon. I guess I don't know if that's really preferable. I'd rather everything be even, both the Guardians and the Yankees have to reshuffle things. Now that's a day game on Friday, right into the night game Saturday, right into an evening game Sunday uh, for whatever reason. I think it's a 5 o'clock game and uh, directly into hopefully not a Monday game. Uh, but, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on uh, our beautiful commissioner who orchestrated a situation that basically allowed a day game on Friday afternoon Yankee Stadium to be the best case scenario. Yeah,
3: I mean that's that's where the problem lies because you even look at the when the f- schedule is first released, you're like, why why do we have a day off in between game one and two? I don't understand why. And then you have uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've looked at this fifty times and all these all MLB updated the schedule and everybody updated the schedule it was Tuesday game, Wednesday off, Thursday game, Friday off, Saturday, Sunday, Monday play. Yes. Good. Okay. So how dumb is that? Why are you going to put – for? so you're either assuming it doesn't go to game five or you're going to force the issue with travel on that game five, and then you just have the issue in general of stacking three games on top of each other and not preparing for – ra- so what if game four got rained out? What happens then? In that, in, the, in that doomsday scenario, if you have a real regular ALDS schedule, which is games one and two back-to-back off game three and four back-to-back off game five, one of those games get rained out, you could prepare it for the off day. Now you have these off days baked in, and then you're at the mercy of the schedule playing itself out perfectly. And if it doesn't, now you run into an idiotic situation right now where you're playing two, three, four, five, all, all on top of each other, mm-hmm. screwing up the pitching plans. Um, putting unnecessary stress on bullpens that have played 162 games this year. Again, MLB in 162 games. These playoff schedules should be catered to the health of the players and the well-being of the players. Classically, they are not. This is all for it. Life is just about money. As you get older, tell your kids nothing matters, folks. It's just about who no, wants to make the most kids. money um, and how – yeah, tell your kids. It's just all about money, and this is all anybody cares about. Um, it's why we have Thursday Night Football – the biggest dog shit product on the planet. Um, I, we have college football. We have high school. This country is a country of football. We watch high school football. We wa- we'll, We will watch Fun Belt Wednesdays. The Sun Belt.
1: We people watch that. It's the. It's one of the worst products of all time. Who? Which? Uh, which concussion prop bet do you have tonight? Because uh, I've got. Uh, plus 580 that David Montgomery uh, stands up backwards. I hope it, hope it cashes the official betting partner of the NFL. Very exciting for me. Thank you.
0: Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
3: uh we we can't well, why do we have to have nfl on sundays i don't i, I mean on thursdays we have no, it on sundays, sundays
1: it's, it's fun right. i like that but on thursday, thursday and monday
3: sunday and monday is amazing thursday complicates everything it screws up the team's schedule it fucks with the injury report it screws with the player's health it there's no need for it it's just because amazon offered 13 billion dollars for it and however many years ago when we started this somebody else offered a gajillion dollars for it and they're like whoa I'm not going to turn that down so Money rules the world, it sucks, and that's what's influencing this decision here. But even so, so even, forget about this, forget about the postponement. Even if we had a normal schedule, what they do with the ALCS? Even if the Yankees don't get there, I don't care about the Yankees not having rest. What are the, what are the Guardians or, I, I'm happy with the Astros at a disadvantage, but even they're not at a disadvantage here because they're the home team. They're going to
1: sweep, so who cares?
3: Yeah. yeah. You have Wednesday, October nineteenth. The ALCS starts. Game two is Thursday, the twentieth, and you have an off day on the twenty-first. Games three, four, five, six, seven are all played consecutively from the twenty-second to the twenty-sixth. I I know we're tr- I know the lockout screwed things up. I understand we had that we, we had that reality, but why it, why is that the schedule? How does that help anybody? Um, and I just, I, I'm, I'm still, I I don't even know what to say looking at them, looking at the layout right now. That is without any, that's without the rain causing a problem in the DS guys. So what happens if there's a rain out on one of these games, games three through seven, where there's no day off, what do you do then? We're not doing a double header. Are we, I fucking hope not. Yeah. Fingers crossed. That would be insane. Um, and, uh, you know, you have you have these these two series stacked on top of each other for the, for the ALDS and for the crucial swing games in five, if it were to happen, in six, if it were to happen in the CS, you're playing the the day after a travel day, after you've already played 162 games, after you've already played at least one five game series. If a wild card team makes it, to you know uh, uh, a a, a three game wild card series on top of that. Um, this is just not conducive to anything, and it's going to result in a, in a rush product, and we're going to see skeleton crew bullpens, and we're not going to be able to see um, pitchers get used on short rest, which is already uh, enough of a, a perilous type situation because it's the health of the pitchers. But some guys go on short rest, and they like it. Now we are not we might not be able to see that in some of these games, um, and it's going to affect how various teams are able to perform. I, I, I just don't understand what the thinking was here. Um, outside of money. We're not going to get an explanation because it is money. Um, but yeah, now this is, if I'm the guardians, I'm pissed. Like I said, this screws everything up. And then in the event you make, in the event you make the CS, you're traveling to Houston or Seattle, which is a hike either way. Um, and you only get, you only get two days off over that uh, eight day stretch. And the one, and the one is before the series even starts, which doesn't even count as an off day. In my opinion, you need two days off in a seven game series or, while it's happening. So um, MLB, MLB does it again. Hopefully they learn from this, but they won't.
1: In case you're just joining us, welcome back to the Bernie Sanders sports podcast. A lot <laughs> of uh, tough baseball economics to discuss. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all business. Um, it's all gross. And and it might get weirder in the, in the CS for sure. Because at least uh, these stupid extra off days, you just slot them in. But in the CS, there's this big old pile of days at the end of the series. Uh, now the Yankees get one extra day to sleep in their own beds. Uh, bizarre, they don't have to go anywhere until Friday afternoon. Hopefully, they win that game. <clears throat> Anthony Rizzo gets to pet Kevin Rizzo on the head, wear a special cleats. Nestor cortez gets to prepare, everybody gets to do their own business, and then they get to get back after it for Friday's game, which bleeds into Saturday's game, which hopefully, honestly, does not bleed into Sunday's game. Because I think a lot of Yankee fans are like, uh, and this is the nature of the beast, and I don't blame you at all. And it's not like, hey, Look at, look at us, right? Have we ever been relentlessly positive? Absolutely not. But a lot of Yankee fans are going, oh my God, this totally screws with our pitching plan for games four and five. Hey, you won game one. I have a great strategy for avoiding difficult pitching decisions in game four and five. Win game two, win game three. The series yeah. will end. The series will end. Then you can watch the NL series and move on to the ALCS. If you win game two with Nestor Cortez and you win game three with Luis Severino. Two pitchers I think we can all agree are very good. You win those games, you move on. That's why Garrett Cole uh, really had to beat the number three starter Cal Quantrill. He just did. Yep. And you want to talk about the things that you don't totally notice when you're in the building, which is funny because I don't know this is just me. But watching at home versus watching in the stadium, it's this completely different, like you're so immersed in it that it almost feels like, all right, like uh, this, this whole thing is a movie, Uh, like strategy goes out the window, you're just sitting there like absorbing every pitch, Uh, you know, the obvious mistakes are obvious, Josh Donaldson, you're like, why are you jogging? Uh, even though you blame everybody because the home run music did go up. The first base coach did not tell him, don't start jogging to second base. It's not a home run. Uh, Nobody knew it was going on. I blame Donaldson for not running. I blame the stadium PA system. I blame the first base coach. I blame the beer. I blame everything. Uh, But Cal Quantrill comes in and starts that inning against Aaron Judge, walks him, facing him for the third time instead of going to the bullpen, Then he steals second and goes to third. and Rizzo homers off Cal Quantrill. And never for one second was I like, Cal Quantrill shouldn't be in here. I was just like uh, immersed in the baseball game. And then as soon as I leave, I'm reading tweets that are like, why was Quantrill allowed to face Judge a third time? And I was like, yeah, why was he allowed to face Judge a third time? I don't know. Uh, Maybe because the Guardians' bullpen isn't quite as deep as people are making it out to be. Maybe because, you know... Uh, they thought they could push Cal Quadril because they saw him be effective through through five. I, I'm not really sure, but uh, there's a human element here. It's not this guarantee like, oh, we're going to get to game four and be in trouble. Then be lucky if we get to game five where we don't even get to throw Nestor on short rest. Now you get to throw. Game two, Nestor Cortez, day game. Nestor Cortez in the day games this year. 6-0 and in 12 day games, 1.82 <laughs> ERA, 74 innings, 42 hits, 98 strikeouts. Does not get better than that. Nestor Cortez is on 12 days rest because of the bye, because of the end of the season. That's a lot. Nestor on six plus days rest this year, five starts, 3-0, and 1.01 ERA. His best work this year has been done during the day and on extra rest. I can't guarantee you it's going to happen again. I can just tell you that that is what we are working with. Then we go immediately to Cleveland. Tristan McKenzie makes his only start of the series. Luis Severino opposes him. And we're talking about Shane Bieber's throw day. Maybe the Guardians have to go with a bullpen game in game five. Um, (laughs) But what it doesn't allow for is Tristan McKenzie. He doesn't get to come back. Uh, His throw day, will he's not going to be coming into game five on one day's rest unless he gets destroyed in game three. Then maybe. Ken McGraw with a really valid point. Does this allow Aroldis Chapman to get some extra rest in Miami? No. Uh, He's a dedicated worker. He's hard at work uh, getting back ready for uh, the CS uh, next year with the Baltimore Orioles. So, no, he will not be getting any extra rest, no days off for Aroldis Chapman, sadly. Um, Yeah, imagine how much more involved with this series he would be now that we have no off days and they would have to fit the last man in the bullpen potentially into game two. Miguel Castro is going to appear, right? Aroldis Chapman probably would have been in not anymore see you dude i feel better about the bullpen uh even knowing that jameson tyone might not be a part of it because he might have to start some of these games but yeah this is this makes mckenzie and severino sort of stranger entities uh jameson tyone is going to have to start one of these games unless they are down to one entering game four i think they bring cole right back and try to send it to new york and then it's Tyone, an inning of Sturt, Clark, Domingo, all hands on deck. But if they are up 2-1, entering a theoretical game four, I think they probably go with Tyone. And I think the Guardians probably b- bring back Quantrill. Or maybe the Guardians go with Savali and Plesak and try to save Quantrill for game five and use Bieber. I mean, the names the Yankees are using still make you feel better. Like... Yeah. You still feel better about Nestor Severino, maybe Tyone, maybe Cole, and then Cole in Game Five than you would about Bieber, McKenzie, either Savali, Plissac, or Quantrill, and then either Savali, Plissac in the fifth, right?
3: Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to speak to the Guardians' plans because I don't really give a shit what they do.
1: Um, wow,
3: but you're right. You're you're I'm right. I, I don't. I don't go care what they do.
1: Guardians go with Chapman in Game Five. <laughs>
3: Um, I think if they're up 2-1, you go with Tyone in game four with a potential early hook, um, and then you can go to um, Domingo clark Licky yeah, as the bridge, save the bullpen a little bit, because then you're going to rely on Cole on full rest for game five if things were to not, um, not go as you'd planned. Um, but yeah, essentially all this comes down to is, since they fucked the schedule up, it's just you have to win now. Um, so yeah. maybe that creates... Maybe that just creates a little bit more urgency and motivates them to uh, uh, to f- quote figure it out and just get over the hump. I think it's I think it's totally possible. The pitching matchups uh, work in their favor. The offenses are you know you, you look at them on paper. They're they're the Yankees are better. Um, tickets for tickets for game two, by the way, are not refundable. Can you believe
1: that? That's uh, it out. not only is that extremely annoying, but like there are people who are going to be entering the Sabbath who are like probably not going to want to be at Yankee stadium at one o'clock. You ever see the curb, your enthusiasm where Larry's stuck on the ski lift before sundown with the yeah. woman who has to eat uh, edible panties to stay satiated. Um, it's the same situation. Like sun's go. Let's say we're in the 12th inning. Sun's going down. You're going to have people are going to have to leave the stadium. Um, so they're going to definitely have a-, a religious case for refunds folks um yeah i don't know no refunds at all of course there aren't you you look at twitter you've got i have full faith the yankees are gonna pack the house tomorrow or at least moderately pack the house but you do see people on twitter already being like i got four i paid 300 for them who wants them for nine like they're just like there are already people scrambling to try to fill the space obviously you want the night game if you can get it but don't act like yankee stadium isn't an advantage anyway and the yankees are also you know, they have the Nestor Cortez advantage that hopefully outweighs anything that the crowd can do. I thought the crowd was a little funky for the first three innings of game one. Then they went absolutely insane. And starting with the Rizzo Homer were unleashed, um, You wouldn't know it based on the TBS you couldn't tell uh, on TV. broadcast, which is dreadful. Um, I've been waiting 10 years to call out TBS. The Raul Abanez game is one of the best Yankees highlights of the last non-dynasty years. I was there. And you, you watch that back. Yeah, you were there. You know, It must have been nuts, right? Chaos. How crazy was it? Uh, on camera, it basically feels like nobody was there. Yeah. You watch it back, it's Ernie Johnson going, did he do it again? He did. And then Abanez <laughs> rounding the bases to abject silence it yeah. cuts to people it also doesn't even cut to the crowd it no. cuts to the budweiser sign that says like go home a hero or something walk off a hero because the director was like that's cute cool and so they show uh banya's rounding the bases in dead silence and then a wall and you literally never know what the crowd's like unless you were there and i'm glad you were there to tell the story but that's what tbs does the crowd is like uh basically everything sounds like an aaron judge 62 chase at bat. It's weird.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. The acoustics are definitely weird. I did start to notice um, the roars like after every Cole strikeout. I mean, you can yeah. confirm because you were there. But I think the crowd, the crowd was getting behind him as as the game went on. I, it, the crowd was funky innings one through three. I got that. They amazing. also
1: gave Cole a great standing ovation after he left to the point where he was asked about it and was like. Yeah. Yeah. It probably a little, honestly, it meant a lot to me. And it was like a, being there, it was a huge moment. It was like, yeah. I thought they were really, I thought the fans were great to him pregame too, because they could have been on edge and they gave him full throated applause. They yeah. didn't really even boo Aaron Hicks in the pregame intros. Things could have gotten weird. They didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I thought they gave him a truly incredible standing mm-hmm. ovation and the interview backed that up. And then I watched it. it there was an MLB.com highlight of like Cole exits to thunderous ovation or whatever. And I watched it and it was like, it was like third yeah. act applause for the huge music man. No, you could not tell at all.
3: But you got you got you got the best of Bob Costas saying Harrison Bader is still in the afterglow of the blast he just unloaded, and that call, which is just a ridiculous ridiculous set of words to put together. Um, and the Anthony Rizzo home run was just a terribly weak call. Walking um,
1: around, just looking around the stadium, yeah. the "I love lamp" call from Bob Costas of like, "There's Spike Lee." He's excited. There's the dugout. Oh, there, Yankee, the Yankees are excited as well. The Cleveland Guardians, not so much. Not <laughs> excited because the score just changed in the other direction. It's no longer two yeah. one. It is four to one. Hey, there's Spike Lee again. Still excited.
3: Yeah, I like Bob Costas a lot, but that was I, it's a combination of the acoustics and um, Justin. You got in, in, especially in home series for the teams that are uh, that are that are having these big moments. Um, you know, Kirk Schilling complaining about uh, Michael Kay not letting the moment breathe. The moment didn't need to breathe. It was on the road in Texas. So you couldn't hear the crowd noise. You didn't hear the energy home playoff games. When this stuff's happening, you have to let the moments breathe. And Bob Costas is talking the entire time, telling us stories of stuff we don't even care about or even know about, um, which is fine filler for a radio broadcast that I guess you're listening from the car, but, for TV, when you have the visuals and you're supposed to have the crowd noise as a viable supplement to help make you feel like you're there, um, just bad, bad stuff. Uh, they need to improve for Game Two um, because I was I was getting tired watching that game, and I was very much engaged and writing some content and and yelling at my TV. But um, some there were moments where you snapped out of it, and you're like, "Oh shit, game's happening." Yeah, okay, go forgot forgot so-and-so was pitching okay oh we're back all right great um they got to do something about it because this is this is a tight series you know the, all these ds's are all good matchups we can't be we can't be deprived what's going to happen when they go to seattle that home crowd hasn't had a f- fucking playoff game in 20 something years you can't have you can't have it like this it cannot be like this
1: yeah here's my bob costa depression and what's this he just loves to say that whenever something normal <laughs> happens. And what's this? Line drive to right field. Stanton is out. It's a ground ball. Like, yeah. His go-to tick is, and what's this? Like he himself was woken up by the baseball game. Oh, that's good. <laughs> a and what's this? I don't know, man. It's, it's on you. You have to discern what this is. Don't ask me. <laughs> um, and also pairing him with Ron Darling. Immediate Mets fans are like, why? And Yankee fans are like, why? Famously, the 2018 wild card game had Ron Darling and Dennis Eckersley on the call, and Eckersley, when Judge's Homer is leaving, he goes like, "Oh no!" on the broadcast, and then Ron Darling goes, "This is a disaster for Liam Hendricks and the A's." Yeah, but like, this is a national game. The Yankees are also playing. This is not an overall disaster. Uh many of your viewers might in fact think this is very good. So just something to keep in mind.
3: Something to keep in mind. Um we need to improve the broadcast. We need to uh what do we think about this lineup real quick? Um yeah. do we want Bader in the nine hole or do we want to swap him with IKF? Because you look at the situation. Uh my buddy brought this up to me. He thought that Bader should have been um, where IKF was because Bader's been getting some clutch hits with runners in scoring position, and IKF is pretty much not doing that. Um, yeah. So do you make that swap, even though you kind of predicted Bader in the nine hole anyway?
1: I'm interested in that swap. I wouldn't have any problem doing it. I would say they're probably not going to make a change unless they lose game two, but it could be fruitful. They got some time to play. Uh, yeah, Bader is uh, a pretty solid argument that clutch exists. He's just someone I trust to shorten up and get the run in from third with less than two outs. Uh, if I need a single with two outs, you know, it's, he's also probably in the top three of people I trust to do yeah. that. But yeah. guy on third one out, I'm just like, great, Harrison Bader's up. Because IKF is contacts through the roof in bases loaded scenarios, he's been awesome. Uh, but his hit tool doesn't come with a lot of punch to it. So if you no. desperately need, uh, you know, if you need a grounder to get the runner in, great, you need a single, I'm not sure that's going to happen um I, I find them relatively interchangeable there are benefits to both i want bader on ahead of judge for example uh but i also yeah. want ikf to get the fewest at-bats possible um so you can sell me on either I, i'm not gonna like rail against the Yankees. i would be interested in making the switch i think that's the only switch they should even consider yeah uh, judge leading off had nothing to do with him striking out all the time no uh, in game one again judge was bad in that game donaldson yeah. made a huge mental error trevino was a little uncomfortable Cole Laver the first three innings. Uh, Anthony Rizzo struck out early. Uh, Cal Quantrill was buzzsawing the Bombers in the first couple innings. They won 4-1. The tying run didn't come to the plate after the seventh. It was a good baseball game. Now we go to game two, Friday night-afternoon. Friday afternoon. Friday night-afternoon. Um, Friday night-afternoon. And uh, Shane Bieber will be on the mound. Shane Bieber's stats, courtesy of Talking Yanks, before we leave. 14 games started on six-plus days rest. He is the anti Nestor Cortez, 4.42. Doesn't like it. 97 other starts, 2.96. Four career starts against the Yankees, including the playoffs, 7.52 ERA, and has never pitched in the Bronx. So go to the Bronx, get loud, breakfast beers, green beers, stouts, breakfast omelets, Billy's sausage, go into the game at 11 o'clock, NYY stake, uh, pregame with MLB Network. Uh, try to get to your seats in case there's another dragon from House of the Dragon flying over the field, which could be a disruption. I heard young Sheldon might show up and interrupt the broadcast. Uh, and Bob Coss is going to have to play act like it's a real thing that's happening. And what's this? Young Sheldon is here. Uh, and just get to your seats early. Don't miss a minute. Uh, and uh, buy strategic tickets near a bathroom because people are rushing to those things. Uh, I can also tell you that from experience on a Tuesday. That is it for this edition of the Inks Go Yard podcast. Make sure to find us on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Google, Spot, Ifi. We're going to be on all of them. We're always on all of them. Also live on YouTube, 2 o'clock Eastern time, Mondays and Thursdays, all October long, all postseason long, all off-season long. We'll go live if we got a might-be-fun you never know. Who knows what happens tomorrow afternoon? We certainly don't. It would be very nice to be able to do this podcast on Monday, wrapping up a Yankee series win in three games, giving you all the best from the Luis Severino, Tristan McKenzie ultimate pitcher showdown, one by a ninth inning tie breaking double uh, from Jose Trevino. That would be great. I would love to sweep. I would love to win in four drama free. Yeah. But you know what? All I do know is we're up 1 could be down 1 could be much more unpleasant. Baseball was robbed from us today by Rob Manfred. It will be back tomorrow and we will enjoy. Until next time, I'm Adam Weiner. You can find me on Twitter at Adam Weiner, I'm Thomas we're Where can the fine people of Yankees Twitter find you? At
3: Tommy's underscore takes. Let's talk, everybody. We're having a great time. uh Talk to us also on the official uh, Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at Yanks Go Yard FS. Head on over to yanksgoyard.com. A lot of playoff content there. Also sprinkling in some off-season rumors. We're hearing some things uh, around town. We got to get ahead of it because if this is a long postseason run, we're really not going to have time to process any free agency stuff. If it's an early one, if it's an early exit, that's a different story. We'll we'll have plenty of time to scream. But this goes into this goes into November. Season ends after the World Series, and then we just got to start figuring it out. So uh, go there for some content. Until then. Have yourselves a good weekend if we don't talk to you. Let's go, Yankees. We'll talk to you next for sure on Monday, 2 p.m. Eastern, right here.
1: Beautiful game.
3: We'll see you.
2: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.